Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence that has never left us. Even during a pandemic, you never left us. We may have lost loved ones, we may have lost houses, we may have lost jobs, but we never lost you. And we acknowledge that fact this morning. We bless the name of Jesus. Listen, before we go into the word, come on, everybody, open up your mouth and give the Lord the praise that he is worthy of this morning. Come on, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. And that's why we praise him. Thank you, band. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Remain standing. Get your Bible. Remain standing. If you can, remain standing. Get your Bible, your electronic device, and turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew 13. We're going to read verses 31 and 32. New King James Version. New King James Version, Matthew 13, 31, and 32. You can read whatever version you have conveniently in front of you. Ready, begin. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Verse 32. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Pray with me, bow your heads. Father, we thank you for being God. That's why we sing songs about you being God, because that puts everything else in its proper place. So be glorified through and among your people this morning, wherever we gather. Let the word of God be implanted into the hearts of your people so you can get the precious fruit and you can get the glory. I thank you for a greater season for the church. I thank you for greater works coming through your church so you get the glory that you so deserve. Anoint me afresh. I thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Minister Word, Minister Word entitled, The Power of Small Things. Say that with me. The Power of Small Things. One more time, please. The Power of Small Things. You know, these times there are big problems, big diseases, big pandemic, big economic problems, big social problems. And, and, and if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we, the body of Christ, we'll think we're too small for the challenge. I'm going to say that again. There's so many big, big, big problems that the world is facing, that we face individually and collectively, that if we're not careful, the enemy of our souls will make us feel we're too small for the challenge. Tell somebody, I'm just small enough. 
I'm just small enough. Oh, my God. Jesus, in this parable, gives no interpretation for the parable. He gives absolutely no interpretation. So that tells us we can take it at face value. That everything he said is exactly what he wanted to say and means exactly what we think it means. You don't need an interpretation. So Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God to that of a mustard seed. A mustard seed. Some of you have seen mustard seeds. They are very, very small. They're very, very small. And, and, and Jesus says it's the smallest or the least of all seeds. He's speaking figuratively here, not literally, because there are other seeds that are literally smaller. But he's speaking figuratively, and he's speaking to people that know the size of a mustard seed, that handle mustard seeds, that are very familiar with mustard seeds. And so Jesus doesn't have to clarify what he means. They already know what he means because they're used to handling small things. How many of you are used to handling small things, small things? There's a reason that God has us handling small things. There's a reason we have learned and have grown and have expanded our minds and our lives because we know what it means to be small. See, if you don't know what it means to be small, you won't understand Biggie Smalls. See, I knew I'd get you. I got some. See, some of y'all wouldn't even pay attention. I had to say that to get some of y'all's attention. Mm-hmm. In order to understand big, you have to first be acquainted with small. And so the reason that you're dealing with small things is because God is about to allow some of you to handle big things. You can't, you can't appreciate the big until you have handled the small. Shamgar, you need to understand you got to start where you are. Use what you have and do the best you can. God's about to use you, but don't get frustrated. Somebody shake your head. That's me. It's me. Don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated because in order to understand the big that's coming, you as well as I, we need to understand the small we're experiencing. Mm. So Jesus compares the mustard seed with the kingdom of God. The mustard seed starts out really, really small and grows up. It's a gradual, <laughs> it's a process. Somebody say, God, I thank you for the process. You know, I don't know how many of you understand this principle, but there's some things that God put in our heart. Oh, I hear God. That you've been praying for a long time and you have been thinking that maybe it isn't the will of God. No, the reason you've been praying it so many years is a fact. The reason it's the will of God, God put that in you. The key is not what you're praying. The key is you got to grow up and mature so you can handle it. It's a process. It's a process. Those of us that have raised children to be grown can remember. And even when we were young, we wanted the keys to the car at 12. 
It wasn't that you weren't going to get the keys of the car. In fact, your parents probably had something better in mind. They were going to get you your own car. But the key is you had to wait until you could handle the bigger. The kingdom of God starts out small, insignificant, and almost without notice. This is the comparison with the mustard seed. It, it's small. It's the smallest of most seeds. It's insignificant. You won't look at you look at it and think not much is going to happen with it. It starts out small, insignificant. This is how some of our lives have been. You, 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 some of you, you know, in, in, in grade school, you were voted the least likely to be known by anybody that knew you. But look at you now. Everybody want to be in your circle. Everybody wants to friend you. Everybody wants to know how you got to this place because you started out small. The kingdom of God starts out small. Folks get saved today and think they're supposed to be an apostle in three days. You get saved, you join a great church, and then in a week you know everything wrong with the church that you can fix. Hmm. We've got folks that were raised by their parents. Parents put a roof over their head, food in the refrigerator, clothes on their back, pay for their school, and now you're so smart, you know everything your parents did wrong. They wasn't wrong when it was feeding you chicken. And you was burping and farting. You, they was good. They was good then. You know, I got to go to Gambit. I got to bring everybody in. Jesus says that the mustard seed is the least or the smallest, again, figuratively, of all seeds. See, but it grows into a great tree. See, most kingdoms, those of you that are history people, history books, most kingdoms start out with great fanfare. After a great war, a general king marches through the city with the leaders' uh, heads on stakes or crucified or in chains, and the cities are, have been destroyed through warfare and conquest, and all of a sudden now a new kingdom emerges, and everybody has to hear this new conqueror say there's a new kingdom with new rules and laws and regulations. But the kingdom of God didn't, don't start like that. Remember when you got saved? You may have wept or cried a little bit. I said, Jesus, come into my heart, bring your kingdom be my king. Not a lot of fanfare. The church rejoiced and angels rejoiced. But it wasn't a lot of fanfare. Some people watching, you got saved in a hotel after doing this, that, and the other. You were in that hotel room all by yourself when the kingdom came. But it changed you forever. Again, Jesus says, this is how the kingdom of God works. There were no treaties. There was no peace treaty at the altar. There's no peace treaty. You didn't see the devil come and say, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to leave you alone as long as Jesus is in your life. And you don't come in my territory. I won't come in yours. Kind of see that going on over there, and you already know, don't you? In the Ukraine, it's a whole nother, nother, nother. 
The kingdom of God starts out in us, small and almost unnoticed. Remember when you got saved and you went back to work? Folk didn't really, couldn't really, something was a little different about you, but they couldn't really tell you was in the kingdom. I mean, they didn't ring bells and have a party. Oh, come in the break room. So-and-so is saved. That didn't happen. It was almost unnoticeable, but yet inside of you, something very powerful was happening. Something inside of you, something very powerful is taking place in you now. As the word of God is going forth, something is happening in all of us now. Make no mistake about it. Something very powerful is happening in us now that are in the kingdom, that the kingdom is in us. Mustard seed is a very small seed, but it's very powerful, powerful seed. And the effects of that seed, of that mustard seed, as the mustard plant grows and becomes a tree, something very powerful is happening in us. We're growing in knowledge. We're growing in grace. We're getting stronger. I'm trying to encourage five more people. We're getting stronger and stronger, bigger and bigger, larger and larger. You're able, we're able to handle more. Your God is strengthening you to handle 2022 just started. And some of us have experienced some trying times. But it's just getting you ready and getting you stronger because you don't know what you're going to have to face this summer. See, the mustard seed, the word of God is indestructible and incorruptible. <laughs> so, so that means that, that those of us that have the kingdom of God in us, you're not easily broken. Mm. Look at somebody and tell them, you may look a little stressed, but I guarantee you, you're more blessed than you are stressed. See, just a little word will strengthen you. Just a little prayer will build you up. Just a little praise will encourage you. That's why we do what we do. See, nothing can stop the kingdom. Hear me now. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God from growing in you. Write that down. Write that down. Write that down. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God from growing in you. But you. Put that on there. Put that on there. But you. So that means if I don't stop reading, studying, praying, fasting, serving, worshiping, praising, if I don't stop, I'm growing. Now, that, 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 that may not mean a lot to you, some of you, because too many of us attribute growth to what we can see. You know, and, and you know, I'm just going to use me so, 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 because I ain't going to get mad at me and I'm not going to stop coming to church and I'm not going to stop, you know. See, I know 
my hair will never grow back. So that's an aspect of growth I have no expectation in at all. Because my hair doesn't grow back doesn't mean God's not moving in my life. See, 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 some people, some people, and, and I, I don't have time right now, but some believers have been so, been taught so much love for the world and materialism that you equate growth to stuff. So if you got the same stuff or less stuff, then you think you're not growing. <laughs> But Jesus said the kingdom of God is what? Within us. It doesn't come with observation. You can't say, man, you got a new car, man. You in the kingdom. It's a lot of folk got new cars. Don't love Jesus. The kingdom of God is within us. The growth that we will see that others will experience comes from what's within us. Our attitudes, our actions. Our love, our peace, our joy, our patience, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. You, we should be increasing in joy as we grow in the kingdom. Listen, to be clear, what happens in the world should not steal your joy. Come on, smile at me through your mask. Let the ear smile. Yeah, yeah. What's going on in the world should not rob you of your joy. Why? Because you're in the kingdom. And the kingdom is in you. And the kingdom is righteousness. So no matter how crazy and crooked people act, you got to act right. Come on, Wednesday, that right angle. Come on, come on. The, 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 the truth. We build our lives on truth. So I'm telling you straight, no chaser. When the word of God starts working in your life, nothing can stop it. When the word of God starts working in our lives, nothing can stop it. It starts out, now notice the language Jesus uses. It starts out as a small plant. It starts out as a small plant. I'm using words right now specifically and intentionally. The mustard seed starts out as a small plant. Plants, plants don't have branches. They have stems. Technically speaking. Only trees have branches. So the kingdom of God starts out as a small plant and then grows into a tree. <laughs> Again, an herb, he says, Jesus says that when it finishes growing, it becomes the greatest among herbs. Or depending on where you're from, herbs. A herb or an herb is a plant. 
An herb is a plant. Plants are not trees, they're plants. As spring approaches, some of you will get out in your garden, in your front yard or wherever, backyard, and you'll plant some, you know, flowers and annuals and perennials and all that kind of thing. And, and, and the reason some plants have to be replanted is because plants are not as robust as trees. Plants are not as robust as trees. Plants are very fragile. You have to handle them with care. And so you and I, when we first come into the kingdom, we are like plants. We need to be handled with care. Let me say this. That's why you got to be in a good church where the love of God is and you got healthy, enough healthy people that's not going to damage you and mishandle you because you're such a tender young plant. You... Let me, let me say it another way. Some of y'all need to be careful how you handling folk. You know, all these statistics and all this data about church growth and people leaving the church and younger people and so on and so forth. It makes those of us, it should make those of us that are in the church be mindful of how we're handling these tender plants. Because plants are more fragile than trees. Plants are more fragile than trees. See, this is why as soon as you get saved and you join a good church, the devil will come right along and try to uproot you and get you into some cult. You're going to run into somebody that's going to tell you all about your life and tell you to come over where they are. That's the devil. <laughs> An herb is a plant, and plants are not trees, technically speaking. Again, plants are small green vegetation that I said already that are easily destroyed. They have stems and not branches. Stems are flimsy, easily broken, and can be stepped on, crushed, and destroyed. We talked about a little bit about this Wednesday. And the Bible talks about how the grass grows, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. How many, how many of you, you know, that, that live here in the Midwest, how many of you have green grass in your yard right now? Green? <laughs> Somebody was just testing me. I know it's all good. I love y'all. I mean, like your whole, you may have a patch here and there. I'm talking about your lawn is just straight green. Ain't happening. Not here in this part of the country because grass is too fragile to endure the bitter cold snow ice that persists in this season. That's how fragile grass is. Branches, on the other hand, are sturdy. They're strong. They're not easily broken. I'm talking to somebody right now. 
I'm talking to somebody that the enemy has been telling you you can't make it. I'm talking to somebody right now that your emotions are on overdrive. Your emotions are on steroids. And you just you got so many challenges, one after another, after another. You can't even get over the last challenge. And now you've got four more challenges. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to move forward. And the enemy loves to step in and say, why don't you just give up? Why don't you just quit? You know you're not strong enough. I came today to tell somebody there's power in small things. See, as the kingdom grows on the inside of us, saints, we may look small to people. They may even tell us we're small and weak. They may tell us, I don't think you're going to make it. In fact, let me continue to prophesy. The doctor may have told you there's nothing else we can do. You may have been the three specialists and each and every one of them said the same exact thing. There's nothing we can do for you. I came to tell somebody you are a candidate for a miracle because God allowed you to come to a place in your life where you feel small so he can be big. Oh, God is about to show up big in somebody's life. We look small and weak to the world. What looks like it could easily be stepped on and destroyed like grass is really indestructible. Tell yourself, I am indestructible. The God in me is preserving me. The God in me is preserving me. Uh, let me talk to some folk in their 40s, 50s, and above, because in your 30s, ah, well, maybe let me include the 30s, because it's a challenging time. Hallelujah. How many of you in your 30s above have said at least once, I'm finna quit, and you couldn't quit? Why? Because God in you wouldn't let you quit. <laughs> ah, we got to talk truth up in here. The reason we couldn't quit when we felt like quitting was because the kingdom wasn't done. God isn't done with me. Tell somebody, God isn't finished with you yet. You can't quit. So you might as well stop looking like you're going to quit. Because you're going to get up tomorrow and brush your teeth and comb your big old head and get back out in the fight. The kingdom is too big. So let's stop. Let's stop sweating the small stuff. What looks powerless is really powerful. What looks like grass today will grow and become a tree. Like I said, the grass is fading every winter in this region. The grass fades and dies. It really just goes dormant. But the trees don't move. I don't care how many storms. It takes a serious storm. When trees start moving, it's serious. When branches start breaking, it's serious. So don't cry over grass that's fading. We're crying over grass that's fading. 
that people step on. That's exactly right. Talk to that baby back there. That's baby tongues. Y'all don't know nothing about that. See, grass, hear me, my brothers and sisters, grass and trees are two entirely different types of vegetation. Grass and trees are not the same thing. They're just simply not. I said this already, Isaiah 47. For the grass, Isaiah 40 and 7, for the grass withereth, the flower fades because the spirit of the Lord blows on it. I said this before a week ago or so. When the spirit of God blows on us, he strengthens us. While at the same time, he kills our enemies. Lift your hands and say, breathe on me, Father. Breathe on me. Give me strength and kill everything that ain't like you at the same time. Give me health and kill everything that's coming after my health. Give me wisdom and kill off everything that wants to make me foolish. Breathe on me, God. Strengthen me. Put life in me. Put your life in me. Put your heavenly power in me and weaken every thought, weaken every imagination, weaken everything that's trying to bring me down. First Peter 1 24 for all the flesh is grass all flesh is grass our flesh is grass we crying over grass no 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 I heard somebody let me clarify we're not crying over marijuana distribution centers now you ain't gonna mess that up we're talking about grass that we walk on all flesh is as grass. Grass is the most temporary herb. People walk on grass. I came today to tell somebody by the power of Almighty God that you have come to a season in your life where you will never be walked on like you have been walked on in your past. You are not grass. You're not going to be walked on in your home. You're not going to be walked on in your community. You're not going to be stepped on and walked on on your job. That day is over. I feel like running. Let me finish reading the scripture. First Peter 1, 24. All flesh. All flesh. See, this is why, I know, this, this is why again, why... Racism is ridiculous. I don't care what color your flesh is, it's fading away. It ain't about nothing. It's amazing. We, we trip it over flesh. And all of it is fading away. All of it is weak as can be. Put, people are putting faith in what's weak. You won't hire somebody because of the color of their skin, not looking at the content of their character and their skill set, they are the best person for the job. But you want weak people that are the same flesh you are. And that's why organizations, institutions are failing and falling apart. Because it's about flesh and not spirit. It's about flesh. 
But the Bible, read this with me. Ready? 1 Peter 1, 24. Ready, read. For all flesh is as grass. Is that in your Bible? All flesh. Now, if that racial thing didn't get you, this might get you. We're going to have to pray your deliverance. Some folk love their animals more than they love people. Listen, your favorite pet got flesh, too. Why you treat your favorite pet better than you treat people? <laughs> I heard Bishop Darrell say one time to, 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 to unmarried people uh, that, that, that they have animals, they have dogs, and you calling your dog your son. That, that dog can't be your son. That's an animal. Stop calling your pet your daughter. See, see, I knew y'all were going to like me. I knew that. You're different species. Just like grass can't be a tree and a tree can't be an herb. Write this down, write this down. Terminology matters. We got to stop calling stuff what we want it to be. That's a whole nother message right there. Every man doing what's right in his own eyes. Everybody got their own truth. Well, if we don't need a government, then you got your own truth to do what you want to do. That's exactly what's happening. So all flesh is as grass, all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. So, oh, so you bloomed. Hallelujah. Spectacular. You're awesome. But you know what? You got a shelf life too. The grass withereth and the flower faileth away. All the things that people are putting their confidence in is fading. It's failing. And it's hard for people to accept it. It's hard for people to accept it. Much of the unrest all over the world, but particularly in America, is coming from, I'm going to say something, I'm going to say it. It's coming from European Americans, white folk, that are, realize that in 20 to 30 years, black and brown people will be the majority. There are legitimately Honest, sincere European people, white people, that don't want to see the white race eliminated because of constant intermarriage. And from a humanistic standpoint, I get it. But if you're in the kingdom, don't attack CRT. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm anointed because I'm not afraid to talk like this. See, and I didn't say that for y'all to clap. Bless your hearts. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. When people elevate their flesh, they, they reinterpret the scriptures. I'm going to get into this. I'm going to do a series once I get in time to do the research. When people 
elevate their flesh, they will miss, watch this, they reinterpret scripture. Hear me, please hear me by the Holy Ghost. So since they can reinterpret scripture, it's easy for them to rewrite laws. You better hear the preacher today. I'm saying something. I'm not going to go any further than that right now. They can redraw voting districts. You better hear this young preacher today. But those that understand all flesh is grass are not moved by their skin color, ethnicity, or anything external. We are moved by what's internal. And what's internal is that right angle that we build everything by truth. Truth. God help us. See, the kingdom of God cannot consist of grass. It fades away. The kingdom of God cannot consist of vegetation. It's too weak. It has too short a lifespan. This is why you can't get saved, get spirit filled, and then remain carnal. You'll always be upset. There'll all be, always be a reason God's not moving in your life. And it'll be somebody else. It'll be somebody else. See, again, grass in scripture represents what, what's earthly, fleeting, and unstable. Grass is unstable. I'm sure there's at least few people watching and in here now. I remember years and years ago when we uh, bought our first house and there was this big tree in the backyard next to the, the garage. It was a, a, a detached garage. And there was no grass in that area. And, you know, I had worked as a groundskeeper for a millionaire, multimillionaire. As a, so I understood some things. So I went and got seed that didn't need direct sunlight. And I watered that grass and I watered that seed and I watered it. And I, I, I realized I had to keep maintaining it in order for it to be maintained. I had to keep watering it because, again, because it was a big tree around it. When it rained, it didn't get a lot of water. So I had to make sure it got what it needed in order for it to remain grass. Grass is too temperamental. It's too unstable to be a kingdom resource. So you and I have to get out of this grass mentality, this flesh, this skin color, all that mentality, because we can't last. We won't last in the kingdom. Because you should already know right now the pandemic and even before, but particularly now, you, everybody can't come see about you because everybody else needs somebody to see about them. You're going to have to learn how to see about yourself. You're going to learn how to water yourself. Try to tell you about David at Ziklag. David said, I got to be my own priest right now because everybody want to stone me. Everybody I thought was on my side is mad at me, blaming me. I got to go to God myself. I got to water myself. I got to get myself ready to move forward because God isn't finished with me. See, if you think God is finished with you, you're thinking like grass. Grass in scripture represents what's earthly, temporary, what's fleeting and unstable. Trees, on the other hand, 
they have a totally different spiritual meaning. There's a different revelation that we get from trees when we read scripture. For example, in the Middle East where the Bible was written and the disciples and Jesus came up, of course, uh, trees are scarce. And I can attest to it because I've been there by the grace of God. Trees are scarce in many parts of the Middle East because the temperature, the climate, it's too arid. It's too rocky. So trees were scarce or are scarce. That's why very few buildings were made with wood. If there's not a lot of wood, it's not going to be a lot of usage for wood because there's not enough to use which makes something scarce or rare. When something becomes rare, it becomes a commodity. So when you read the Bible, you'll realize that trees, a big part of what trees gave was shade, protection. That's what Jesus said about the mustard seed. It grows as a small herb and then becomes a tree that gives shade to people and birds can land and live in it. So trees provided shade, fruit, and then they were used as weapons. Notice, if we go back to the beginning in Genesis, there were trees that were the issue for man. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't a herb. It, wasn't a, it was a tree. Trees always been the problem for man. What kind of tree are you? And then the tree of life was in the middle of the garden. And God had to protect that tree. So trees have a different application for the believer. <laughs> Isaiah the prophet said Jesus came to provide beauty for ashes and the anointing oil of joy for those who mourn. Then he goes on to say, he gives and provides us the garment of praise for those who are weak and heavy. See, let me tell you something. The, 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 the more weak and, and burdensome you feel, that's when you need to praise him. Now, don't, 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 don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong because a lot of folk think the only time and place you're supposed to praise God is in church. You, you need to walk through your house and say, oh, man, the, mm -mm, I'm going to praise God. I'm, I'm praising my way out of this. God, I thank you. You lift your hands right there. Clap your hands. Hallelujah. Sing that worship song. You need to praise him. Somebody needs to do it now. Somebody is doing it now because, you know, the enemy been trying to wear you down and wear you out and take your strength. And you need to just let, oh, you cannot wear me down. And I am not grass. I'm a tree. I'm stretching my lips. Then Isaiah goes on to say that we might be called trees of righteousness. So now you can answer what kind of tree you are. I'm a righteous tree. I'm a tree of righteousness. There's righteous fruit on my branches. I'm not carrying around a bunch of lies and deceit. I'm carrying the fruit of righteousness. If you come to me, I'm going to tell you what's right. I'm going to do my best to say it in love, but I'm going to come out and tell you what's right. No, you getting what's right when you talk to me. I'm not going to compromise because it's you. 
I don't have that on my branches. We are trees of righteousness, not plants of righteousness, not bushes of righteousness. We are trees. Uh, that means I ain't going nowhere. Trees are affixed. Trees can get so big and so affixed and rooted into the ground, God forbid, that if a car run into it, the car will be totaled on the tree or keep on treeing. But you got to be careful when you run into a tree. Tell somebody, you got to be careful when you run up on me. <laughs> you got to be careful when you run up on me. I'm not going to be playing with you. I've been fixed for 61 years. You think you ain't moving me now. I got to be careful when you run up on a tree. It ain't moving. When you run up on me, you need to know we ain't gonna move. I am a kingdom believer. Even a small tree can jack up a big car. Let's finish this. You ready? Zechariah chapter four. Let's read uh, Zechariah four verses eight through 10. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. Verse 10. For who hath despised the day of small things? For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel, with whose seven, my God, and they are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now, this, of course, is referring to the second temple. Solomon's temple was the first temple. Solomon's temple was big and fabulous and opulent and glorious, but it was destroyed. It was torn down, which again is why they're building the second temple. And you know, you remember through the fast and even up to now, of course, that Zerubbabel was one that was, he was the governor of Judea. He was in charge with building or rebuilding the temple. It took him two years to build the foundation. And then the foundation laid flat and empty for 17 years. Now, Anybody that knows anything about building, you can tell that the foundation gives you a clue of how big the rest of the edifice is going to be. And so the reason the prophet says this is because they were old saints. Somebody say old saints. Somebody say wise saints. They remembered Solomon's temple. And they saw this little temple being built and they were just shaking their head. Man, it's a shame. It don't look like the old one. You young folk missing God. I wish it was like it was before when we had acquired it and took the choir stand down. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna bother you too much. Okay, let me stop. Let me stop. And so the old heads who had saw, the old saints who had seen the glorious temple Solomon built, looking at the new ones, I don't know God in that. This is why the prophet said, who has despised the day of small things? 
See, see, you, we, us, us like themses, you're equating what God can do by the size of your church. You, 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 you're, you're equating how big God is by how big you feel. You're, you're thinking about what God can do based on what you can do. And nowhere in scripture is that allowed. Just saying, mm-hmm. And so, again, it is recorded that Solomon's temple lasted after it was built right around 372 years. Whereas the second temple, the little temple, the little temple. You ever notice this about us black people? We always put littleness. Oh, that's your little wife. Let me see. Oh, bring your little wife over. Oh, you got your new car? Bring that little car over here. We always minimize stuff. See, I'm going to come down. No, I ain't going to come down there because somebody's getting mad. Can I come to your little church and preach? See, again, the first temple that was built, the big one, the, the, the fabulous one, lasted about 372 years. This second temple, after it was built, it lasted 437 years. It lasted a generation longer than the big one. See, big don't always mean best. Let me help encourage somebody that still feels really small. Zerubbabel says... Who has despised the day of small things? In other words, don't despise what looks small to you because God's about to use it in a greater way than he did the first thing, the bigger thing. Mm. See, write this down. What looked the best lasted the least. What looked the best lasted the least. What was the biggest didn't endure. See, God brought a small number of Jews out of Babylon to rebuild the people, the city, and of course the temple. Small group of people, small group of people. God used a small number of leaders like Zerubbabel, Nehemiah, Ezra, and I've talked about these men, uh, to inspire a small number of people that they brought out to help them rebuild. God will use a few people to inspire a few people that in turn inspire more people. If you are hearing God, you're hearing me inspire you or at least attempt to inspire you so that then you in turn inspire other people so that then we in turn can rebuild the body of Christ, the church, the temple so that God can be glorified. I'm never going to stop in <laughs> inspiring you to build the temple. I'm never going to stop inspiring you to build your faith. I'm never going to stop you inspiring you to praise the Lord. I'm never going to stop inspiring you to say, Corona, get thee behind me and put it under your feet. I'm never going to succumb to the pressures of the day. Coming up on 25 years pastoring in May. And we will have an anniversary this year. Because it's important for us to remember all that has come against the church and we're still here. 
we're still here by the grace of God. Listen, I, I, I don't have a defeated, disappointed message for you. I don't have no, y'all, let's have a word of prayer. We don't know what we're going to do moment. We ain't got that here. I, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about here. See, my brothers and sisters, God knew, let me say it this way, God in his sovereignty and his foreknowledge knew that the pandemic was going to hit. The Bible, God in his sovereignty and foreknowledge told us that before Jesus comes back the second time or Jesus comes the second time, that there would be a great falling away. That folk would lead a church. Jesus knew this. God knew it. Holy Ghost. God knew all of these things were going to happen. So then he also knew, hear me, hear me, hear me well, that in the last days there would be what some call, and I agree with, a remnant church. Somebody say remnant church. <laughs> Write it down. A remnant, a remnant, a remnant the definition of a remnant is that that's left over after many have left. It's what's left over. Some of you need to understand why you're challenged like you are, because you are part of the remnant church. You are a part of those that are left over after many have left the faith. I ain't talking about just this church, the faith. They ain't going no church. You run into them all the time and they don't mind telling you, I don't go to nobody's church. And it's the sad thing about it is they're proud to be excluded from the church. They're, they're proud to be excluded from the kingdom. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, again, Zerubbabel had to take the small group of people that he was inspiring and encouraging and keep them inspired and encouraged for 17 years until he could finish building the temple. Can you imagine how hard that's got to be to keep folks inspired? Especially when you got old folks saying, it ain't like it used to be. It ain't nothing like it used to be. <laughs> I ain't going to go into that again, but you get it. So in Ezra chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible reads, but many of the priests and the Levites and the heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple, which is Solomon's temple, they wept out loud when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. And yet many shouted aloud. And the Bible goes on to say that the people cried and the people are happy. You couldn't tell the difference. You know what that tells me? God will drown out your sadness when you ain't glad about his temple. You better hear the preacher today. God will drown your voice out if you're not glorifying him by what you're building now. God didn't say build when the season is favorable or build when all the economy is right. He, when he said build, he means build. Again, Zechariah 4.10, for who hath despised the day? Small things. 
In other words, who can be disappointed when God is moving? It's a, how can anybody be disappointed when God is moving? No matter how big or small it is. Why would you be, as a kingdom person, not excited about any and everything God does? Oh, I get it. This is America. It's got to be big and fabulous for us to... Ex- it's got to be bigger than the Super Bowl halftime show. Yes, we can't celebrate. <laughs> I, I'm just, just clicking through some information as I typically do in the mornings. Uh, I, I heard, I didn't watch it. I heard that people are totally disappointed in the slam dunk contest. Oh, the worst ever. Worst ever. It's entertainment. Nobody was supposed to get saved after a dunk. Nobody was supposed to get delivered after a dunk. No devil's supposed to come out. No walk of living, night of the living dead. No, no, no. It's just a dunk contest. But because it don't live up to everybody's standards, ain't nobody happy. And we do God the same way. Let me tell you something prophetically. Hear your pastor. When you get really excited about what God is doing in you, others will get excited about joining you here in this church. Let me say it again because you didn't get it. See, you want to see something big. You want to see somebody levitate and float. Listen, God is doing something big right now in your head and in your heart with his word. And until you get excited about what God is doing now, the small thing he's doing in you, don't look for nothing big. I'm saying this as the shepherd, the under shepherd of this house. You got to get excited about what God's doing in your life. Stop telling everybody what you want to see. I just want to see signs. I want to miracles. Be one then. Be one. Be one. Be one. Be a miracle and show up on time. Be a miracle and do what you're supposed to do consistently. Don't start three months and then quit and then come back and we look. No, no. If you want to see a miracle, be one. I want to see you be a miracle. I want to see you be consistent. We're trying to rebuild the church. We're, we got to get back to being what we're supposed to be. That means you. That takes you. Despise not the day of small beginnings. If God is doing it, it ain't never small. <laughs> What God is doing in your life isn't small. Say that with me. What God is doing in my life isn't small. One more time. What God is doing in my life is not small. How can it be? We are so ungrateful. We just want the big, the fabulous and spectacular all the time. And that's what's going to leave room for the Antichrist. Because he's going to come doing lying signs and wonders. He's going to say, I told you that was God. Who can be disappointed when God does anything? Who can be disappointed when God does small things or when small things begin to happen like we see in front of us? 
Look around you. People want to come back to church. They're coming back to church. Amen. So you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to allow people the opportunity, if you still need social distancing, to maybe go into the fellowship hall or something and just let folk that want to be in church just come on and be in church. Or maybe, just maybe you're going to have to let people sit next to you and not be nervous. See, don't mistake what God is doing. Don't let Dr. Fauci define what God is doing. Let me finish my message. I said a whole lot. We could go home right now. Haggai chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Who is left among you that saw this house in its first glory? And how you see it now? Is not your eyes, or is it not in your eyes in comparison as nothing? This is what he's saying. Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel. Yeah, be strong. Let me strengthen you, man. Because you listen to all these folks saying, I don't know, but if you was the one, Zerubbabel, we thought you was the one God was using, but this little old temple, I don't know. It should have been a Zerubbabel. I don't know about Zerubbabel because, man, you, this don't look like God to me. This, you know, this is what people do. This is what people do. This is what Christian saints, worshipers do. They, they're going to tell the man of God that God called what it's supposed to look like. So then God sends a prophet. To tell Zerubbabel, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people in the land, declares the Lord. And work, be strong. That's what God had me to tell you when I got healed from Corona. The first message I came and preached to you with much fear, trembling, and weakness was be strong. Be strong and work. Tell your neighbor, be strong and work. Stop getting distracted. Be strong and work for I am with you, declares the Lord. Who is with us? Who? Who? Your cousin may not be with us, but who's with us? Your best friend may not be with us, but who's with us? That's all we need. You by yourself, of course you're not, but just for the sake of explaining this a little bit further and adding more revelation to it. You and God is a majority. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what disease, sickness. I don't care how many bad reports. I don't care how many compounded demons attack your body or your mind. You and God are a majority. God, share something with me. I'm going to share it with you. We're revelating, right? We're revelating. You, you can hear this. You can handle it, right? Well, say something. That's I ain't going to say it. You can handle it, right? You know, as, as I get older and, and people get older, I mean, that's what happens. You know, your friends get older. And so I had another one of my childhood friends pass, and I was talking to another one of my childhood friends about it. And then, of course, Pastor Deborah, she, she had an uncle pass, and then her aunt, uh, uh, um, they drove down to, to Alabama. And, and so, you know, I just felt that I called my auntie. I said, auntie, I get it. You know, you're older now. You, you lost your sister, Deborah's mother, her other sister, a few years, a number of years before that. And these were your close confidants. And those are people you could call and just talk to. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to choose your words. They know you. They get it. 
See, but see, the older you, older we get, I'm trying to help somebody. The older we get, these young folk don't understand what we're saying. And so older people get frustrated trying to talk to young folk. You don't know what we're talking about. So I can, just, I can just call my friend. I just go to talking and just using language and slang from that day. And they know what I'm talking about. So when you get older and you don't have that, it, you start feeling alone. Who, who really understands me? These young folk don't understand me. My niece, nephew, son, daughter, I really, they really don't get me. So what can happen, doesn't have to, but what can happen is you get older, you don't feel like there's people that you can relate to, so you start relating to the doctor. The doctor listen to you. The doctor befriends you. So the doctor gonna put you on a whole bunch of medicine you're gonna take it because that's your new friend. You ain't got nobody else to talk to. Lift your hands right there, please. Father, increase our relationship with the Holy Ghost so we listen to truth. Hallelujah. So we can hear truth. So we can hear what builds us up on the inside so that we have the strength to build up others. We have the temple to build up. And we learn through the Apostle Paul that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need only to receive what builds us up. Let us learn to discern, to reject any and everything that pulls us down. In Jesus' name. Amen. Be strong, Zerubbabel. I want you to say, be strong out loud, Zerubbabel. I mean, but don't use Zerubbabel. Say your name. Say, for example, when I say be strong, I'm going to use my name. Be strong, old James. So now say that with me, but use your name. Don't say James. Because you need some strength. You need God to strengthen you. On three, ready? One, two, three. Be strong, old. See, this is what you say when you talk to yourself. Be strong, oh me. Don't be pitiful. Oh, you can't make it. Oh, what the? No, no, be strong, oh me. Jesus, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Verse 5. According to, watch this now, according to, an accordion. That means this is connected to what he said in the past. I'm with you, connected to the covenant. I'm with you today, connected to the past. My word today is connected to the past. Everything I say is connected. Be strong according to the covenant I made with you when you came out of Egypt. Well, none of them were alive that he's talking to that came out of Egypt. They didn't have to be alive. God's word is alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what he's saying. The same word I gave your ancestors is the same word I'm giving you. When they didn't think they was coming out, I came down and brought them out. When they were a small group of slaves 
in Egypt, building other cities, building other buildings for Egyptian worship and wickedness. When it didn't look like they was coming out, I came down and brought them out because my word to them was connected to what I said to Abraham. He says, verse 5, according to the covenant I made with you when I came, when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. I got you talking a lot this morning. Say this right here. Say, God's spirit remains with me. Say it again. God's spirit remains with me. It doesn't matter how small, how weak you feel. It doesn't matter if you feel overwhelmed and outnumbered. God has not left you. The same God that was with Abraham is with with you the same hey God the same God that was with Zerubbabel is with you the same God that was with Elijah is with you you need to remember that I don't care how small you feel how defeated you feel despise not today because God is bigger than everything that looks big to you let me finish it had been 50 years when Zerubbabel was building the second temple, it had been almost 50 years since Solomon's temples were destroyed. 50 years, they had, they had no place to worship. 800 years had passed since God delivered Israel out of Egypt. 800 years. God said the same word I promised when I brought them out. 800 years, my word is good. Hallelujah, man, I'm getting excited. Ooh, Jesus, my God said my word is good. Don't be putting no date on me. My word is forever settled in heaven. Not one jot, not one tittle of my... Man, I'm getting excited up in this place. 800 years had passed since God brought Israel out of Egypt. If you add 430 years that they were in slavery when he promised Abraham, that's over 1,200 years. God was keeping a 1,200-year-old promise when he told Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. A 1,200-year... Do you realize that when we obey God, it's not just about our generation? When we obey God, it's connected to promises that are generations old. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We are being cheered on by the saints of old. Do it. Believe God. You can do it. We did it. You got to finish some of the things we started. We're depending on you. God says in short to Zerubbabel, after all you've been through, my spirit never left you. No matter how small you feel, God's spirit never left you. No matter how many loved ones you lost, jobs, cars, houses, buildings, whatever, God's spirit never left you. Come on, lift your hands in this place. God is moving 
He's doing something big, something special on the inside of you and I because we are going to do some big and special things because we're going to let him continue building us so we can build what he called us to build. People, communities, buildings, property, programs. God made a promise to your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-great-great-great, that he wants to... That he wants to fulfill through you. I ain't talking about ancestor worship. I'm talking about promises he made to Abraham, who is the father of our faith. There are some things that God wants to finish through you, no matter how small and insignificant you feel. So let me give you some scripture, and I'm going to let you go home under a powerful anointing. Isaiah 1.9, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Unless the Lord left us a remnant, he wouldn't let the devil destroy everybody. He wouldn't let everybody get discouraged. He wouldn't let everybody get mad and leave the church. He left us a very small remnant. If you are a part of the remnant, if you are a part of the remnant, if you are a remnant church, you need to stand on your feet and shout the glory to God. The reason you and I are still here. There's a reason we're still here. We are the remnant that God has left. God cannot be forgotten as long as you and I are working to build the kingdom. God cannot be forgotten as long as you still want to pray, praise, serve, give, witness, evangelize. God cannot be forgotten. That's why we're still alive. This ain't about what you've been thinking it's about. It's about God. This ain't about what you think it's about. It's about God. Be seated. See, read your Bible. God at times will reduce the numbers of his people to what is known as a remnant. Those that remain after many have gone. There are times God does that intentionally. Why would God do that? Why would God make it harder for the few of us? It's easier the more hands make light work. Well, why, why would he put this pressure on pastor and then he get up on that pulpit and put all that pressure on me? Why is Bishop putting all that pressure on me? Man, he know I'm still scared. I want to come back to church. I love God, but I just can't do it right now. But I just I, every time I watch him, somehow I can't watch him because he's putting pressure on me. And I know I need to be there, but then I don't want that pressure. Why is he putting pressure on me? Why, why is he telling me I got to step up and be strong and work? Why? 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 Don't he know what we're dealing with? He just got through saying all this stuff everybody's dealing with. Why is he pressuring me? Because you're the remnant. 
And God oftentimes allows the numbers to decrease so that he can do something great (laughs) with small things. See, God can't get the glory if we can say we did it. See, when God got ready to rescue Israel from the Amalekites and all the people that came and stole, you, you, you know the story back Gideon and Judges when <laughs> Israel would plant and their harvest. And right before harvest time, all the enemies would come just take all their stuff. And Israel would go run and hide in caves. Until Gideon comes along. Gideon's like, wait a minute, something ain't right. This, this, this ain't right. We God's people. This ain't right. We God's people. This ain't right. See, the zeal of God's house is going to get in you. It's going to start eating you up like it's eating me up. This ain't right. We serve God, the only true living God. We shouldn't be living like this. We shouldn't be hiding. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be waiting till we get boosted and double boosted and stole from and robbed and boosted again. And by, we're God's people. We ought to be out there doing signs, wonders, and miracles. We're, we're God's people. We ought to be glorifying God, building his kingdom. Something ain't right. Something's not right. And so what happens? Gideon is inspired by God. His inspiration inspires others. To the point where there's 30,000 men ready to fight with Goliath. Gideon, oh yeah, I feel you, Gid. Man, you my guy. I'm rolling with you, Doc. Just say when, man. I'm dead, Gideon. Because you're right, man. God said, uh, I'm paraphrasing. Gideon, well, uh, there's too many of them. There's too many of them. I ain't going to do it with them. What? 30,000? I need all these people. No, get, get. Chill, bro. Listen to me. I'm not going to do this with all them folk. So go down to the river and look at how people receive water. Look at how people receive my word. <laughs> the folk that's full of pride. So, make a long story short, in Judges chapter 7, verse 4, the Lord said to Gideon, the people is still too many. It's too many. It's too many. It's too many people. Too many of these folks just come to church to get what they can get. They ain't trying to build a kingdom. Gideon, it's too many of them. He says, take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. I'm going to test them for you. I'm going to make sure you only take people with you that I can get the glory from. I'm not going to take all these religious people that is in it for all these different reasons. I'm going to take people that want to give me the glory. He says, and anyone whom you say this one shall go with you shall go with you. And anyone whom I say to you, this one shall not go. They shall not go. Sometimes, my brothers and my sisters, there are too many people around for God to get the glory. When God does what he's going to do, you talk about how big it is and we the best and this. and you, You ain't even talking about God. 
Judges 7, 7. And the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men that lapped, will I save you and deliver the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the motherites into your hand. God went from 30,000 to 300. That's 1%. Who can despise the day of small things. See, what you think is a disaster is the hand of God. What you think is the devil is the hand of God. What am I saying? I truly wish everybody that ever joined this church would come back to church. I know it ain't going to happen. Let me tell you something that's going to surprise you since we're revelating and being being uh, 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 somewhat vulnerable in our, in our expression. When the pandemic, I got one more scripture and I'm done. When the pandemic first hit and we were doing, I was doing a lot of praying fasting. Holy Ghost said to me, doing a lot of praying. Holy Ghost said to me, he says, son, this is the opportunity a lot of people are going to take to go here, there, and lead a church. Because it, it's easy to hide now. You ain't coming you ain't got to talk to nobody. You ain't got to see nobody. Ask you, we ain't seen you. We love you. See, people, people feel pressure when, they, when that happens. So a lot of people just stay away because they don't want anybody to ask them, are they going to church? So God said, that's going to happen. I said, wow. He said, yeah. He said, some people are going to take the opportunity just to disappear because that's been in their heart the whole time. He said, don't chase them. Just keep doing what you do. And being who you are. And the people that see me will come. The people that want me will be a part of this. And so, as a pastor, like so many pastors that have pastored as long as me, I've seen people come and go and up and down and in and out. But you know, here's an old saying. Here's an old saying. We love everybody. This ain't the saying. I'm just qualifying it because I don't want you... Get it wrong. We love everybody. Love everybody. But here's the thing I know, because I can't quit. We may miss you if you stop coming, but we ain't going to miss God. Because, see, I started with God before I started with you. And even though my heart goes out and I pray for all kinds of people I ain't seen for years. What did the scripture we read to Zerubbabel? God is still with you, Zerubbabel. It doesn't matter what it looks like to other people. What you're doing doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people say about what you're doing, Zerubbabel. I'm with you. Let me say that to you. It doesn't matter what others say about what you do for God. God is with you to do what he called you to do. Be concerned about what God thinks, not what other people think. And Gideon had to get that revelation or else he would have never delivered his people from the Amalekites and from the otherites. He had to say, look, I wish I had 30,000 people, but if God say all I need is a small number, we finna roll out. 
We finna roll out. Who wanna roll out with Bishop? I don't know how many people gonna come, but I know it's time to roll out. It's time to get your mind right. Get your spirit strong. Get your attitude together. Because we got work to do. And all I know is God is with us. So Jonathan, son of Saul, was encountering some enemies while Saul was still king. And as they were maneuvering, they ran into a garrison, which means they were outnumbered. How many of you ever felt outnumbered? And the Bible says that Jonathan had just his young armor bearer with him. There's just two of them. And they were facing a garrison. And the armor bearer was scared. But Jonathan wasn't scared. Because Jonathan understood what I'm teaching you today. So Jonathan said, hey, come, let us go over this garrison. Let it, let's, let's go fight them. Let, 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 we can't go back. Can't put our hand to the plow and look back. Can't go back now. He said, so, so let's, let's go see what these uncircumcised, they ain't got no promises from God. We got promises from God. You better hear the preacher. We, we, God promised to protect us. He promised he would be with us. He promised he would anoint us. We don't need to back up. Though he says, it may be that the Lord will work for us. Here's what he said. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. God is not limited by how much ability we have or how many people are on our side. God doesn't save based on how many people like you. God saves, heals, and delivers. God rescues. God fights our battles based on who we are to him and our knowledge of who he is to him. God is my father's. So my brothers and my sisters, there's no restraint. There's no hindrance. There's nothing that we do that people can do. If God told us to do it, he's with us to complete it. With God, there's power in small things. You know, when Abraham, when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, God came, and you know the story, Abraham has a conversation with God. He said, God, what if there's 50 righteous people? God said, I won't destroy this deal. Ah, my, my. What if it's 40, 30, 20? Man, man, God, don't get mad. Let me just throw this out there, because man, what if it be 10 righteous? God said, I won't destroy the city. See, because 10 was a number of people necessary to have a synagogue or a church. So, so what Abraham was saying, if there's one church in Sodom, you won't destroy it. There was not one church in Sodom. There were not 10 believers in Sodom, only Lot and his family. Not enough, not enough. So God destroyed Sodom. You know the North, you know the story. But we're, 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 we're in the dispensation of grace. Somebody say grace to finish. Somebody say grace to finish. See, we're in the dispensation of grace. And Jesus said <laughs> hundreds of years later in Matthew chapter 18, he says where there are two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the middle of them. I don't need 10 people anymore. 
All I need is two or three. So let me ask you this. I want two or three people that's with the church. Stand up right now. Just two or three of y'all. Just two or three of y'all. That should be all of y'all. You don't get it yet, do you? That, 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 should, that should be everybody. That should be everybody. And of course, people watching and those in the balcony. Two or three. All it takes. Lift your hands, please. There's a small number of people to get the work done, y'all. Come on. Don't let the devil trick you any longer. In 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha had been telling the king of Israel, everything that the king of Syria was doing before he wanted to invade. And the king said, how does he know everything I'm getting ready to do? God was showing him. And so the king said, go capture this Elisha. Bring him to me. So they send an army to surround him. And once, just like Jonathan's armor bearer, his armor bearer said, master, it's a great company that surrounded us, a great army. He said, son, chill out. He prayed. He said, God, open this boy's eyes so he can see. There's more with us than are with them. You may feel all alone, my God in heaven. You may have lost, lost husband, wife, loved ones. You may go into your kitchen and have moments of loneliness. That's understandable. You may have lost a house and live in an apartment and you feel constricted. You may have lost all kinds of things during this pandemic. And, and, and I know the enemy comes to make you feel all alone and make you feel small and make you feel insignificant. And if he could even make you feel that God is not with you. But I came with a word from the Lord today to tell you there are more with you than there are against you. And all the help you used to have that you do not have does not stop God from being God in your life. Small things, if not nurtured, never grow. But small things that are nurtured become big things. And this seed, this mustard seed of the kingdom starts out as a plant it starts out flimsy it starts out weak but if it's nurtured if it's fed the kingdom of god will grow and become a tree a tree and we will become trees of righteousness and people have often preached the message the second touch when jesus touched the blind man and he opened his eyes and he said i see men as trees and Jesus touched him again, and then he saw in the dimension he was supposed to see. I don't believe Jesus made a mistake. Jesus never makes a mistake. What that man saw, he saw in another dimension. He saw men as trees of righteousness or trees with no fruit. He was quickly able to discern those that would be fruitful for God and those that were not. Despise not the day of small things. Be encouraged, my brothers. Be encouraged, my sisters. For the same God that was with Abraham, the same God that was with Israel in Egypt, the same God that was with Zerubbabel and Judah and Jerusalem, the same God is with us he's with us 
and we can get it done as long as he is our help. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for what you're building in your people. I thank you for this anointing that will be in them and also resting upon them. I thank you that sickness and disease is being eradicated by the spirit. The sword of the spirit, the word of God brings it down, slices it, and dices it up. We cut up, we chop up and tear up every disease, every germ, every virus, everything that would attack your physical body. In the name of Jesus, we speak health to you right now. We cancel the assignment of sickness and disease. You will not die, but live and declare the wonderful works of God. I speak to every emotional disease. Fear, frustration, anger, unforgiveness. I speak it over you right now that the power of Almighty God is resting upon you and you will not walk around fragmented in unforgiveness and frustration and blame and pointing the finger at this one and that one for your circumstances. I speak shalom into your spirit nothing missing and nothing broken everything the enemy stole i speak it in the name of jesus it shall come back into your life just like david when he put on the ephod and god said you shall recover all i speak recompense i speak healing i speak restoration into your life spiritually mentally physically emotionally and financially every financial wound i speak against the financial wounds that you have suffered from people that have robbed you and lied to you I say you're going to get back everything the enemy has stolen. And just like Israel came out of Egypt with great spoils, Egypt will give you what we need to build what God calls us to build, to worship the way God calls us to worship. I declare it, I decree it, I pray it, and I believe it over your life. And everyone that agrees say amen. 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 And amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.